You're listening to the Robert Hartley Games Master Podcast. The following is the audio from my interview series, Short Rest, aired live on twitch.tv forward slash robertheartleygm. During the Short Rest series, I sit down with a fellow tabletop role-playing game content creator for about two hours and get to know them a bit. If you want to see the accompanying visuals at any time, you can find them on my YouTube channel by searching for Robert Hartley GM. Enjoy! Friends, fans, and fine folk, grab your drinks and snacks and come on down to the campfire for this short rest with me and my lovely guest, Ashlyn. Introduce yourself, say hello. I am Ashlyn, hello, uh, or Dollar Store DM. What up? Uh, I am a crafter and creator in the Dungeons and Dragons community. Uh, I do a little bit of everything because I have an inability to pick one thing. Because just follow the dopamine, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, right? Follow, follow your smiles. I like yeah, it. follow follow what makes you happy. Uh, I so I do it. everything from terrain building, mini painting, miniature printing, dice making, and I on Twitch run a little creator-focused stream called The Art of Adventure. Yeah, boy. And I've been on it. It was great. It was a lot it of fun. It was awesome. We'll talk about that a lot more in a minute, I'm sure. Uh, so welcome along. It's lovely to have you here for the short rest here on the channel. Um, let's uh, let's let's set up our short rest. Uh, we're, we're, how, would you, how would you like this short rest? Do you, do you like to have your short rest around a campfire? Should we should we find a little nook of a of a cave somewhere on the middle of an, a, a bigger mission? Are we in a, are we in a forest? Where are we having this short rest? We're in a forest, like We're in a nice forest. dangling vines. Oh, like a like almost like a rainforest or a, a jungle or something. Yeah. And um, and we uh, are we on a are we on a larger mission? Say so, so. Yeah. We're taking a short rest some... on the way somewhere. Some tower deep in the forest. And we're and we've got to we've got to have uh, uh, sit down and have a breather. Uh, so where are we? Are we just going to pull up some logs, or are we going to set out like a camp? I mean, I'm currently playing a druid, so. Oh, there you go. Then. Just, just just right there on the forest floor. Just wild right shape. Right there on the forest floor. <laughs> Make a little yeah. place for yourself. And uh, <laughs> should we should we set a campfire, or do you reckon we'll uh, do you reckon that would draw too much attention? Everybody needs a little campfire. Little so I'll I'll leave it to you as the druid to know uh, what's a controlled fire. You've got to set out the um the, the the fire pit for us with the the rocks around it to protect it from the outside jungle. I'll go off and get. Oh some yeah, as, as someone who is from wildfire country, <laughs> you need to know. Yeah, I'll, we get uh, set on fire enough that we know how to avoid it. I'll go. I'll go find. See if I can find some dry wood in this rainforest. Um, and uh, and then when we come back, what are we what are we gonna eat and drink at this at this short rest? Just rations, I mean, or should we go hunting? Or I mean, I probably I would have wild shaped into something fluffy but dangerous. Fluffy so... but dangerous, so you can go. I'm gonna and, go, you can go and grab us a rabbit something or something. Yummy. Yeah, yeah. You bring that back. Yeah. Uh, I'll find some while well, I'm out searching for wood. I'll bring. I'll 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 fill up our water skins. Uh, maybe make a pot of tea or something. And there we go. Perfect. We got a. Uh, we got our um our our short rest set up. So welcome along, everybody. Thank you for joining us, everybody in the chat here. Dath Audio, welcome, first time chatter. Welcome, Fancy L Brown, Classic Sam, Mythical. I'm seeing lots of the usual faces. Inked Fish just dropped you a follow. That's good. Thank you very much for being here, everybody. Um, so if, if if this is your, I keep gesturing to that side of me, this side of me. If you're if you're uh, new to this face, 
Eshelyn is, uh, as she said, um, dollar star DM on all of the different things because uh, she knows how to market herself. That's uh, that's <laughs> Instagram, Twitter, uh, Twitch. Twi- are you on Twitter? Twitch, YouTube, all of the things at do- dollar underscore uh, store underscore DM. Not Twitter? Not Twitter. I don't know. The don't know how to I... tweet. Don't know how to tweet, but every everywhere else that you'll find, um, you'll find a dollar star DM. So tell us, start with the name, then, eh? Why why, why dollar star DM? Uh, it started as a joke. Um, so way before I was on Instagram or anything, I've been I've been DMing for a couple years, and I started just kind of making budget things for my players because we started off just on like a whiteboard, and we mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. draw out like we'd be moving initials around and having to erase it. And I went, yeah. well, that's boring. And I have just a ton of bottle caps. Uh, so <laughs> I made little, like, bottle cap tokens for all of the players. And then it went from that to, okay, I'm going to take some cardboard and I'm going to make like dungeon tiles out of the cardboard right. because we had way too many Amazon packages. <laughs> yeah. From, from buying all of your of... bottle caps, obviously. Exactly. In, in bulk from Amazon. Yeah. Um, totally not from drinking. <laughs> So you had um, a bunch of cardboard and bottle caps and you uh, you sort of makeshift some terrain together? Basically. Um, and now it's kind of evolved into a joke of like, oh, I'm just going to collect trash and make things out of it. And then I did. <laughs> <laughs> and think, it kind of just I think anybody who's, anybody who's started DMing, especially if they're like a student or some, someone on a budget, uh, they can definitely um, relate to that. I, I, I remember many a day spent in a, um, a stationary workshop, uh, a stationary, there's a, there's a, um, there's a stationary company here called, uh, warehouse stationary. And, uh, and I, and I remember standing, looking at the aisles going, do I need pipe cleaners? Do I really, do I really need more highlighters? Uh, should I, should I get colored paper? Mm. And the answer is always yes. Yeah. <laughs> I am. Yeah. I raid Dollar Tree. And I hoard trash. And so you started you started collecting trash and making making D and D out of it. Were you was it everything uh, t- terrain uh, minis monsters? Oh, sheets, everything! Everything that you can imagine needing tokens for yeah. tokens for uh, conditions and things as well. Like did you uh, make... condition tokens, we ended up uh, I ended up eventually buying instead of just like drawing yeah. little dots next to things <laughs> on our dry erase. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that. I've got um, I've got th- like three different whiteboards of various different sizes, ranging from about that big all the way up to like yep. a uh, one and a half meter by one meter whiteboard, and just using those for the different terrains. Like if it's going to be a big scale fight, then I'm like, all right, everybody, get your stuff off the table because <laughs> this yep. whiteboard overhangs we the edges. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we need to be able to move, and then and then keeping a track of monsters' health next to them uh, was a big a big. Um, uh, light bulb moment for me when I was like struggling with how many goblins have I got? Which one's taken damage? Uh, which which orc is it? And the... oh, it was the one that you were fighting. No, the one I was fighting disengaged and ran over to him. Ah, oh, that's right. Oh, crap. B one, B two, G seven. Yeah, because I started with Lego. So when I was uh, starting out, I I was using Lego minifigs and uh, and terrain as well. Um, and so I, I was like one with pitchfork, <laughs> one with dagger, one with green pants, the one wearing shades because I ran out of orcish-looking uh, Lego heads. <laughs> so he's wearing See, sunglasses. That's now like become an issue for me with like now that I'm using actual minis because I can print it myself. Yeah. Uh, um, I keep forgetting which mini goes to which. <laughs> which number? Yeah. 
Yeah, there's there's simple tokens you can get that just like I mean it leaves everything to the imagination because it's just got enemy one written on it or whatever, and you just keep Ooh, track yeah. of it that way. But then you lose some of the the fun of seeing it. So so um, what was your most fun thing to be creating then out of all of that? Did you have equal fun over the over the thing, or did you more prefer making um, more prefer making terrain than minis or vice versa? Or... I tend to be a terrain builder that's where i started so it's yeah. where i feel the most comfortable um and, and it still... was and it was mostly cardboard or did, did you uh, sort of branch like into polystyrene and plasticine and it's a Play-Doh. lot of cardboard um and a lot of things that i can find at the dollar store yeah uh so i do a lot of paper mache oh yes oh, um fun, or i have something, let's see i'm in my workshop right now so place. i've got like foam core from the dollar mm-hmm. store that there's a whole bunch above me right now um they have a bunch of like grass bits and other things you can fly into the floral section or toys from the toy section and just combining things together in a way that makes something new it's so, like reflavoring an item <laughs> so are you known on a first name basis at the dollar store <laughs> are you oh. like you like the well no the not regular? the new one no, you have to. You have just to... moved. Ah, of course. So you need to, yeah, you need to branch out and get renown. Yeah. Um. So even though you're spending money at dollar stores, uh, it it kind of feels like microtransactions for D and D. It's like the <laughs> version of D and D microtransactions. Lots of like, oh, it's only three dollars. What, what does it matter? How how much do you yeah, estimate yeah, you have spent at specifically dollar stores, specifically on terrain? Are we talking like? For the entirety since the, of since you started, maybe. okay. Like, is it in the thousands? No, no. <laughs> I will maybe spend like twenty bucks once a month. Oh, that's not bad. That's like, some, it's that's... legitimately I'm cheap and I mean that's don't that's some me. good stuff. That that's some uh, being able to make that last for. And do you reuse your terrain presumably, like as much as you can, Wait. get as much use out of it, and then it falls apart because it's made out of cardboard and felt. So far, no apart i've managed to keep it all stable um that's my favorite bits have been like you know when you get a big package and it comes with that like uh styrofoam insert i do know quite a bit about having a big package yeah those are my favorite because i every time look at it and i'm like that's a sewer i'm gonna turn that into a sewer (laughs) and i don't have to build anything i just have to paint it and add some hot glue and some use some granny grating to make a railing and i've got a sewer nice that so you've got a you've got an imagination that can look at a thing uh, and go that would that would lend itself well to being a mountain or a whatever a river <laughs> what bagel i don't know what you're <laughs> <laughs> nice very good so that's where the name came about dollar star dm um making shit from dollar star stuff that you find and uh, and then you it's it's not only creating it though you also then have to store it somewhere right uh yeah what's your that was what's your storage situa- situation for all of your many many things it's wonderful right now it used to be terrible <laughs> because our old house it was one office that we had four desks in for both me and my husband and all of our stuff it was a mess and now i have this like nice big workshop space and over there is a whole storage closet <laughs> 
So was I this, have so much storage. <laughs> was this was this like a, a, a non-negotiable when you were looking for your new place, your new house? You were like, I need yeah. a lot of place for my D and D stuff. I need I needed storage. Um, <laughs> like seriously, there's storage that goes underneath the house over here. There's like under the stairs over there. I have a stupid amount of storage in this house. Do you, like, excited. Lizzie and I have just moved into this place, and uh, being that it's getting on the property market in in Auckland, uh, it's all we could afford. Uh, and so with that, it's beautiful, and uh, and we really enjoy it, but storage is the one thing that we're lacking. We're like, it's got two yeah. bedrooms, a bathroom, and a kitchen, and that's that's all we got. I guess we'll be min was, living minimalist yeah. lifestyle as much as possible. So That was our yeah. first place, because it was closer to the ocean yeah <laughs> and san diego is expensive yeah yeah you can't you can't be uh, getting too much uh if you if you have also got ocean view yeah i'm gonna have to be putting a lot of work into very uh very precisely utilizing all of the space in the, in my office room here the the like all of the wall space and floors and hanging things from the ceiling maybe and just like make sure i've got room for all the minis and terrain that i have and stuff like that so you uh, you started with uh, Dollar Stadium, and this was just for your home games originally. All of this terrain and things, this this passion that you had for building stuff, it was just for home gaming. And then you've and then you home decided game. let's start streaming stuff. How did how did your online side of things begin? Did it just start yeah, through so Instagram, taking photos of your home games? Yeah. Yeah, I started Instagram, uh, kind of going through the crafts and just kind of highlighting them. And then when COVID really hit uh we went digital with our home game and one of my friends john had done some twitch streaming before has an actual rig not just like my laptop but <laughs> cannot handle it um so he started streaming our home game because we were playing on discord anyway um and then we eventually were able to go back into person and at the end of last last year end of 2020 Yes, I can. I can time. They all, they uh, all, they all blur together. It's fine. Any anywhere between nineteen and twenty-two is all the same year. Yeah, uh, December of twenty twenty. I was like, it'd be fun to play D and D with all these online friends that I've made. Hmm. And I reached out to a few, and then kind of bounced ideas off of one of them. And it was like, well, you could turn this into a stream where you're like every month bringing new creators on and crafting for the next stream's creators. And it, I didn't think it was going to take off. I legitimately thought I would get one stream, have fun, and be <laughs> like, cool, I did the thing. And here we are today, about an hour after we hang up from each other, will be episode 14. Yeah, so let's 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 get into talking about that then, because I think when D&D, &D, when people are starting out streaming and, and getting into content creation for D&D, &D, it's really difficult if you don't already have some kind of a platform to jump from because it's it's so hard to have like a point of difference. There's so many streamers, there's so many people who are just streaming games and things. And I think one yeah. of the things I love about your uh, your your stuff, your your channel and everything, is the art of adventure is a point of difference. It is that you are doing essentially one shots and but linking them together outside of the game. Like instead of linking them together through the story, it's linking them together through the people. Who are playing and so tell us more about how uh how you how you handle that because i imagine there's a lot of logistics involved of getting the players to then create this stuff for the next that's going to be used in the next one tell, tell us a little how that came about and 
and uh, and what yeah. the logistics behind it are. Oh, the logistics are so fun. Just just so fun. Um especially when we go international, that oh, yeah. that international shipping is always fun. Um, we've learned to adjust so that it's all domestic, just changing how the, the casts are. Smart. Um, but a lot of it is I'll reach out to creators, ask if they'd be interested in it. Um, and then I basically filter everything and I'll talk with the DM, get there like, hey, what do you need? This, this, and this. Okay, cool. And I know who are my painters, I know who are my 3D printers, and I know who are my uh, terrain builders. Yeah. And I will then send out assignments. <laughs> Usually, I end I'll uh, assign myself at least at least one. Uh, today's stream, I think I did almost everything. Jeez. But that was just because of the people cast just, that we had, and I really liked or... the cast that we. Had. Right. Yeah. And I didn't get my logistics in time, so I had to do everything, which is okay. So, so do you try and aim for a cast when when you're casting the next round of players? You try and have one person is a terrain builder and one person is minis and one person is a painter. Yeah, and then you... I try to have right. printer, painter, terrain builder, and me. And then you say, hey, you're, if if we have you on the uh, as this one, then you your kind of your your pay it forward is that you then make the terrain and things for the next people to to play exactly. and it's and it's once a month or so mm -hmm. so it's usually the last weekend of the month uh because we had shipping issues <laughs> logistics um we had to move it to today from last week and then we're gonna have another stream for women's month at the end of this month so on the 26th 6th of march excellent and so that's uh, another art of adventure, but it's for specifically for Women's Month. Yep. So we're going to feature all female creators um, so that we can kind of highlight women in the hobby. Nice. That's cool. How many um, how many people have you met through doing this then? Because I imagine doing it this way, not having the same people on every time, it's it's probably quite a um, quite a way to find a large network of of creators. Yeah, uh, it's been it's been really fun getting to like meet people and kind of out of the blue be like, hey, I run this thing. I'd like you to be on it. Um, a lot of the people who do show up, I've connected through other uh, alleys. So we've got the ones from the Encounter Terrain, uh, terrain building competitions. That was a big chunk of my first uh, people who were coming on were people mm -hmm. I'd met through there. Um, and then kind of like friends of friends. Mm -hmm. And it kind of just like spiders outwards. <laughs> it's yeah, it, it's something that I've noticed as well as since I started uh, streaming DM stuff, D and D stuff. I it would start with just like raiding people, or like I, I it started with me just raiding the Viva the Dirtly guys because I suppose if anybody's over from your community and doesn't know who I am, I should have introduced myself. I'm Robert Hartley. I'm a dungeon master, and I uh, I DM for a group called Viva the Dirt League. Um, and when I started, uh, I was fortunate enough to have like a jumping off point from the Viva the Dirt League fans that were like, hey, Robert's really good in this uh, in this D&D thing that he does with the Viva guys. Oh, and now he started doing Twitch. And suddenly I had like a decent chunk of followers to begin with. I didn't have to do, I didn't have to go through the, the, the gauntlet that a lot of new, new Twitch streamers do of being like, I've got 10 followers. How do I get anybody to watch me? I've done an entire stream with nobody, nobody viewing. Yeah. Um, and so I, I started with the Viva, Viva community and, and just started like raiding the Viva guys at the end of my streams. 
And then I was like, I'm doing D&D specifically, uh, uh, specific content though. And it feels almost like incestuous to just be like raiding back into the same community that's already, that already knows me and everybody just like returning them to their own viewers. Um, so I was like, no, I need to, I need to put some effort in. So I started with Twitch, uh, just the, the browse section under the D&D category and let's follow this guy and this guy and this guy. I don't know anything about them, but I'll follow this, this and this channel. Um, and then I'd watch them a bit when I get the notification that they're on and I'd be like, oh, not really my flavor. And, or, or like, oh, wow, this is this guy's a real good storyteller. And, and then from that, you've developed like a little bit of a network that then when you finish your stream, raid into them, you suddenly start like, oh, here's a name that I've, I've started seeing a couple of times because they've raided me. And yeah, it's, it's just amazing how quickly and organically that whole network of connected, uh, connected uh, content creators are, are sort of um, spidering out as you say like friends of people going oh you should we, we uh, you should come and play with with me in this in this game and so then you do and one of the other people playing in that game you then connect with them and yeah it's just, every everybody's it's, it's a very much a friend of a friend uh, situation and dead as a gamer in the chat there amen yeah he's uh, he's 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 uh, we call him his, his name is michael we call him mick fury for, for his uh, his ability to connect other people and be like hey you guys should meet so let's make some D um uh group of some kind and get all these people together the D D avengers um yeah it's 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 fantastic how that can grow organically and i suppose for you it's not just uh, it's not just growing in terms of Twitch streamers either. It's growing in terms of just people who don't create content for online, but they create physical content. They create terrain and minis and painting and all of that stuff. Yeah, it's super fun getting to see the talents of other people. Um, and I'm thoroughly impressed with so many creators in this community. Oh my God, there are so many <laughs> amazing creators. There really is. And I'm like, always starstruck when the package arrives and I get to play with all the bits. If you, which is fun. yeah, if you, if you want to, uh, if you want a repository for other creators and, and like a, a smorgasbord of who's out there, uh, I highly recommend going to check out uh, Ashlyn's um, Instagram because you're, it's, it's, it's admirable how you're often doing uh, creator spotlights and things and like showing, showing off new, new content creators and having them play in your art of adventure and whatnot. Oh, yeah, it's how not having to like smaller accounts thing. interacting with like the bigger ones. Yeah. It's super fun. Yeah, it is. I mean, and, and it's not a zero sum game. So it's not like, it, it's not like everybody, like if I, if, if we show off somebody else's work, uh, it's going to negatively impact on ours. It's, it's like everybody, you know, help us all rise together. We're all, we're all climbing this wall and, you know, giving people legs up and stuff. That's how I like to think it's, of it anyway. It's all collaborative. Yeah. It's what a community is all about. Yeah, exactly. The D&D community. So, um, The Art of Adventure, who did your uh, artwork for it? I see the uh, incredible design on your shirt there. We did. You did it yourself. I can, you can also see the um, color version below me here. Yeah, black and white. Well, I, w I got help on the black and white from my friend Andrew at Magebrush. Uh, he's a graphic designer. Fantastic um, He uh, made my logo. Well. Yeah, he made the like range. Dollar Store DM logo, um, but the Art of Adventure logo I made in Canva because I'm cheap and used a free website. <laughs> I mean, why not? If it's there, it's there. It's, if it's money you're saving on logos, it's money you can be spending on more dollar store stuff to make terrain out of. Exactly. Can you tell yeah, us, it's been really fun. Can you tell us what's your, what's your favorite terrain that you've ever made? What's, what's, let's say, what's the, the bit that you were most proud of after it was done? 
Oh, what is my favorite one? There's. Give me I'm a like favorite trying child. to picture them in my head. Because the, the door to the storage thing is closed, so I can't just like be like, which one do I like? Uh, I made a little like desert city. So my homebrew game takes place in kind of an Arabian-themed desert because yeah, I got I was, tired uh, of I was Western. Gonna ask you about that. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that later because uh, the deserts of Damara, is it? Or Damara? Yeah, deserts you... of Damara. Damara. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that later to, uh, to say about like, uh, it's rare that you come across campaigns set in deserts and uh, and that sort of thing. But we'll come back yeah. to that. So you yeah. so you you're set in a. Um, I'm just going to open the door real quick because it's getting very hot in my office. Um, oh, it's summer you, for you guys. Yeah, yeah, it's very hot. Hot heat wave keeps coming and going. Um, so you uh, you you're set in a desert, and so you've made desert tiles as well. I made a little desert city. So those uh, not the styrofoam inserts, but the cardboard inserts. Right. Uh, yeah. the, uh, I turned them over, and they essentially look like adobe houses. Right. So I okay. then like cut little doors, made little paper mache uh, curtains, and <laughs> uh, like little canopies oh with toothpicks. Um, and it's just super quick to just plop down, and I'm really proud of how well they look or how well they turned out how... for the little amount of effort that it took. For large for large things because I imagine it's it's sizable, right? That 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 desert city. Like is it how big how big uh, are we talking? Some of them are like yay right pieces and some of them are like this. Yeah, and so... we just got a pool pump, so that one's like this. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, so for those for those the those... pool pump arrived, my husband <laughs> opens it. Pulls out the cardboard and just hands it to me. You're like a ch you're like a child who's there's there's like the the meme of like the kids happier playing with the box than the toy. <laughs> so for those massive ones though, I imagine the storage of that is not easy because they they're flimsy enough to be like cardboard, right? Are they or are they relatively they're sturdy? They're stable because it's like packing material, stack... I suppose. So you can stack it without I... it damaging all of the paper mache and the little toothpick bits. And I can actually show you. We can go on a Do trip. It. Let's go on a trip. Because I'm on a laptop. <laughs> welcome, welcome to the welcome to the world, the workshop. We're going, we're going on an adventure. <laughs> going on an out of adventure. Yeah. So this is this is the storage cabinet. Holy cow! You weren't joking. There it is... wasn't kidding. Yeah, that's good. So, so it shows off some of your best bits. So that. Oh is yeah, wonderful. it's like perfect sandcastle. Yeah. That is. That is absolutely perfect for a uh, an Arabian kind of setting. And you were doing that setting before those pieces arrived, so you it's not like you went, oh, these would be perfect Arabian style houses. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's We've set got, it there. I made an entire like hive system with wow. like honeycomb oh, that's out of cool. IKEA box. That's cool. Uh, what was that used for? You had something in mind when you were doing it? Did generally yeah. do you do you have like a thing you need for the upcoming sessions and then you see it or you're like, "Oh, that would be a good hive. I'll try and incorporate that into my game." The hive was the idea first and then we turned it into a game that uh we did on Art of Adventure. Nice. Oh, that's cool. Because yeah. I um yeah, the hive immediately started things going for me in one of my games the interactive game that i do on a stream on sundays is uh, twitch tales and the main character has a giant bee companion 
uh, and so I was thinking, oh, maybe they have, maybe they go home to where Mel came from, and uh, and and she's got this massive hive. And it's, it's... Well, not sure if you guys have IKEA out there, but if you've ever come across <laughs> like a really thick, like that thick, mm. uh, cardboard, mm. you can peel off the paper top, and it's honeycomb. Boom! There you go then, because it's the corrugated <laughs> corrugated uh, card, isn't it? Nice. Yeah. Cool it's stuff. Show us some. Show us some of your other pieces. I want to see the uh, the piece that took you the longest as well. Oh Ooh. wow, that's cool. This is the sewer. Oh, like cool. I said, it's you use really just the... styrofoam. What'd you use for the green? That is hot glue, and it's not even attached, so I can just take it off. <laughs> nice. It's hot glue that I painted with really, really cheap, like dollar acrylic paint. How does uh, how, how how much is a stick of uh, glue for hot glue gun though? Is that not cheap? Like a whole pack from the dollar store. Oh really? Oh, so it's not um, bad at all. But I have a giant box. Yeah, of course. You've got to buy in bulk. I mean, you know, you're going to be using it that much. Seems we've got like seems the original. Losing your camera a little bit. Oh no, I think we're back. That's probably that. because I don't have great internet in the in the cupboard. <laughs> in the cupboard. <laughs> uh, it's fine. I think we're back now. Um. So yeah. what took you? What took you the longest? Which was the the most work? The hive took a while because I had to, uh, I had to paper mache the entire floor of this two-piece set. So let's see if I can arrange my error. Both of these are part of that hive, and the floor had to get entirely paper mache right. yeah, yeah, yeah. because we had to spray paint it. And if you spray paint styrofoam, it melts. Yes, that's oh uh, yeah. I mean, did you so... learn that by did you learn that by practice? <laughs> yes, there is a bit of that hive that is melted. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool stuff. I see all uh, of the um, the minis behind you as well. Those are cool. I love my mini shelf because I didn't paint most of them, <laughs> and they're like my little collection of things that I've been sent through the Art of Adventure. Oh, nice! Super fun. So I've got like Iron Tusk Painting, who does the minis for Critical Role. Oh wow! Uh, painted these for the stream. Damn, that's cool. No, <laughs> cool. How did you uh, get in touch with Iron Tusk Painting? Uh, my friend, the same friend Andrew, uh, oh, right. who did my logo, is because he's he's mostly a mini painter. Mm -hmm. Um, and so he. And if you haven't checked out Magebrush, definitely do so. He um he was in the stream that I ran for Out of Adventure and was he played in your fantastic. Stream. Um, yeah, but he, uh, is a painter and kind of connected with Ian and then through Andrew, I connected with Ian and he made stuff for us. Cool. That's very cool. I love how, um, how our industry being relatively niche means that we're only like a couple of steps away from anyone at any time. Okay. You're like, oh, I know a guy who knows that person that you want to connect with. Let me, let me put you in touch. Yeah. Yeah. I can just like send info <laughs> yeah that's pretty awesome so uh so has anything ever taken you more than like a full day to complete or do you do you like try and aim for i need to have things done with in as least time as possible things usually take more than a day just because with the for amount of paper mache i have to wait for it to yeah. dry I, I meant like hands-on like rather than like the oh, waiting time as well because the waiting time you can always go and do something else while you're waiting most of my stuff is actually pretty quick um, partly because I don't have the attention span. 
it's important that if you're doing things for you need to crack them out right so you've actually got them for the next session yeah the dice tend to take a little bit longer because that's all the polishing and the. so you make dice as well you make your own mm -hmm. oh damn yep. that's cool that's not in this cabinet though how do you uh so you've got molds for that presumably resin and i do so and... i have resin molds um that was a dramatic landing there <laughs> um and I can plug back in my, our audio quality can get better again. Yay. Um, yeah, so I have. Actually, when you, when you, four. when you were gone, it wasn't the worst. <laughs> yeah. So, so the resin molds, you can just, presumably you just buy the molds and then you melt the resin. I've no idea. I've never had anything to do with dice making. So I don't know the first thing about it. My first question is like, is always, how do you, how do you make sure that they're balanced? I don't understand. So handmade dice are actually more balanced than store-bought because they are less likely to have voids in them, oh. which are essentially like air pockets. Yeah. Uh, so I have like my really messy set of molds because <laughs> I'm really bad about cleaning the exterior. <laughs> cleaning them out. Um, the inside's clean. That's the important part. Yeah. That's cool. But yeah. So I have so you, my molds. So you can just, so you can just buy them from, from uh, online stores and things? Yep. Uh, so these are by Nanolab Maker. Um, awesome, awesome creator. They're excellent molds. And then I have two-part epoxy that I then mix, add in my cool things. <laughs> I stick them in the pressure pot for 24 hours. And then so, I actually have some here. So the the, um, the cool things that you add in, the little inclusions to the dice. Oh, that's nice. And then you paint yeah, up the so numbers. this has mylar which gives it that kind of iridescence. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So That's cool. I'm, I really like making character-based dice. Um, so these are for my new, that druid. Right, right, right. So um, you think about who that character is and what sort of personality they have and all that, and then make the make the colors to fit. So the, the two-part epoxy is just like a translucent thing, and then you add the colors and the inclusions and stuff to it. Yep, so you add in alcohol inks, mica powders, uh, Presumably, your um, your inclusions all have to be about the same density as the epoxy. Yeah. So a lot of times, like bigger inclusions will actually be resin printed. Right. Yeah. So you're just putting resin in resin. Yeah, you're putting resin in resin, and it shouldn't be a problem. Yeah, I don't deal very much with inclusions outside of like a little bit of mylar foil, just because I'm not used to it. Yeah. I have molded. I actually have this set here. I like and sculpted some flowers for this one. Oh, that's cool. For another D&D &D character. Um, but most of mine are more just like straight pours without all of the the inclusions inside because I'm still learning, and but do, they, do the dice um harden and and solidify at room temperature or do you have to like bake them or Nope, it's just room temperature just room in my temperature. pressure pot. Just oh. let them sit there. And and they're durable. Like once once you get them out, no cracks, oh, yeah. fissures, like, any problems with ever getting them out and they crack or anything. Super strong, Damn. no issues. That's cool. And then yeah. of course you've got to paint up the numbers so that they're actually visible. I always find yeah. I always I find there's like a. Right <laughs> <laughs> I always find there's a there's a there's an inverse relationship between how beautiful a dice is and how easily readable they are. <laughs> we've got some. I have such a hard time with that. We've got some that I we we tease Alan in Viva the Dirt League something chronic because when we were first starting out, 
um, a dice company, um, Critical Hit Collectibles, got in touch and said, hey, do you want some free dice? And we were like, I mean, sure, why not? And so we all... Put a free dice. Yeah, I know, right? Um, and so, so uh, they got in touch and they said, like, here's our, here's our link to our, our website with all of everything that we have, all of the dice that we have. Uh, just choose a set and we'll send you them. So I was like, oh, damn, if I can choose anything, I'll get some, um, some metallic ones because those are usually relatively expensive. And yeah. so I got myself some um, some golden green gold uh, green ones with gold uh, trim, and somebody else got blue and gold and brass and whatever. And Alan was just Alan just decided just plain metal white dice with black writing. And we t- we tease him about it something chronic because it's like he was just like oh, white dice. But there's That's something to be great. said. These like if I if I did a test where I lined up all of my dice and and stepped back until I could no longer read what they were, I could w- read these from across the room. <laughs> I could, like I, these are the most readable dice that we, that I have. Oh yeah. Whereas uh, whereas these beautiful elven script ones, I'm like I could like sometimes I'm like is that a seven? I don't is that what number am I looking at there? I mean, he didn't even try to pass it as like, no, it's it's like white, like garlic. No, no, no. He was just no, like, just uh, uh, I think back back then they didn't realize how much the D&D was going to take off um, uh... and how, how popular it was going to be. So he was like, I'm never going to need dice. Why do I Why do I care? He just like blindly just clicked some dice, I think, on the list <laughs> and then regretted it immediately and asked me, can I keep these, blue and, uh, these gold and green ones? And I'm like, no, I put effort into choosing my gold and green ones because I wanted them. <laughs> If you want golden green ones, you buy them yourself. <laughs> but then, since then, he has actually taken my golden green ones. I, re- I, re- I relented. Yeah, it was. It was turned out easier in the end because after the last after the last session, I was like, uh, I'm am t- sick of getting there and then having to divvy up everybody's things. Here are your spell cards and here are your dice. Here are your spell cards and here are your dice. Here's your dice tray. Why am I holding on to everything for you? And so after the last one, they were like. Hey, should we just like keep our own stuff? And I was like, yes, yes, you should. Yes. The thing that I asked you to do in the first, after the first session. Oh, I've, I have always kept everyone's stuff. I have everyone's character sheets. I have all the figures. I have, always since like the start of us playing. Oh wow, you got to. Uh, you got You got I wasn't even the DM. Oh wow. <laughs> okay, that makes a difference. <laughs> you were just the responsible one that was like, I can make sure that we're not gonna forget them. We played at our house. Right. That makes sense. So, <laughs> you can't forget them we if they're need already to there. Move it. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you guys ever want uh, like character-based ones for the campaign, let me know. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll be in touch. Um, yeah, that's that's cool. So, what, so how long have you been making dice as well? As like ever since the start, or was it a progression? I'd start with cardboard thing. terrain, and then work my way up, and then oh, what else am I not making that's D and D related? That yeah, I, can get I think my hands it was in, in like. july of last year that i was like i'm just gonna get these cheap molds and make some dice out of uv resin and they're terrible i still have those first dice they're awful they're in a jar somewhere uh i love them but i hate them so uv resin is the stuff that cures under uv uv light and epoxy resin is the stuff that cures from a chemical reaction from mixing two things together yeah and that's what you're using now that's what is it the fact that it was uv resin that you why you hate them or just the colors and design that you don't like so the UV resin, uh, and particularly the cheap molds that I was using, all the faces ended up concave. Right, because it's like cures and, and shrinks as it cures? 
which also means I had to sand every single side <laughs> to make it flat. And, and then by I doing so, sand. you're taking away from this side and so you're shrinking everything down. Yeah. And when you sand dice, you then have to progressively sand it with like finer and finer grit and then go through all of the polishing papers just and i just throw got them out. so annoyed why did you try why did you try i'd have been like well this is gonna be too much work <laughs> let's start again <laughs> i eventually just went to uh doing just the side that had like so those ones had what's called a sprue where it's kind of like a reservoir of resin that sticks into it okay. so when you demold it it's got a stick oh okay so you have to like cut down the stick and, and sand, sand it, it down anyway. so usually it's anywhere between four to five faces that on each die that I'm right. having to sand. Okay. These so, ones don't. Yeah, there's a lot of sanding. These are great. <laughs> so how many dice you made? Give us a rough ballpark. How many? Let's 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 make sets of so that's fewer to count. This is not all of them. This is and not all of these I have made. I'm just starting here, and then I'm staring across at my dice compendium over there. That's a nice, so, uh, nice tray there. I got it at the thrift store. <laughs> of course, it's, it's got a, brand. It's got like sword and shield in the center there. Oh, Try cool! Oh, damn, that's cool. What was and it? it makes what it was it for originally? Some kind of like ashtray or something? I'm trying to think what what that no would have what the original purpose would have been. It's a weird thing. Like I have no clue what it could have possibly ever been used for so okay that is out of these ones i have right here one two three four five six of those i made damn <laughs> seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen and i've sold anywhere like 25 sets wow that's not bad 26 Getting experienced. Getting experienced now. How long does each one take to set? Like, how long is the process of, of uh, mixing and... Well, how long is the process from start to finish, really, of the die? Uh, start to finish, uh, it takes me... A, I have about a 40-minute work time before it starts to get where you can't work with the resin anymore because right. it's gotten too hard. Yeah. I'm usually done within 15, and they're in the pot. And then they're in the pot for 24 hours. And then I take them out, and I trim off the extra... Mm -hmm. uh, what's called the flashing, right. which when you when open the two, up... When the two molds meet, yeah. like the, the plane. So it'll, this part will be covered yeah. in resin. So you have to, you know, break that off, yeah. cut off the extra. Um, and then I pop them in. I have a new vibratory tumbler, so I don't actually have to like hand polish everything. Oh. Uh, and then they're Fancy in there toys. for like six hours and it's very loud. <laughs> When you bought the uh, when you bought the tumbler, did you also did it come in a box? Um, it did come in a box. The box <laughs> is right there, and so the box got, has. You got a toy within a toy. <laughs> you joke. You're kidding, but I have a fighting <laughs> rink. I was gonna say a perfect <laughs> circular ring. That's good. It's good for so many things. That could be a that could be a summoning circle, some kind of arcane tower, a wizard's tower or something. Oh yeah, the box Fighting is still here. I might use the cardboard of the box, but I'm <laughs> definitely going to use the styrofoam. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, Darth Audio asks, "How do I get my own die from you?" So you said you sell, sell them, he, right? 
on Instagram? Yeah, or? I do. Um, he actually, that's my buddy Thomas. This is his guy. Hey, there I, you go. He got a commission from me, Ooh. so I started to open up like custom Ooh, dice that's commissions. That's a nice one. I like that. He playing They're some so sort pretty. of great old one warlock or something, some kind of star, starry druid. He is a dream sorcerer. Oh, a dream so sorcerer. So he that's plays cool. in a campaign with me. Oh, I like that. That's a nice dice. And they're they're super pretty. They're super yeah. super pretty. I love them. Um, so I'm holding them hostage. Not really. I just need to ink <laughs> them and mail them to him. <laughs> but for anybody who is watching that would love to get some dice, um, where do you where do you sell them? Yeah, I am going to be making a bunch more sets that I'm just making because I feel like making pretty things. Um, and I'll be dropping those on my shop, which is linked. Everything's linked in the Instagram bio because I'm at least good, consistent. Good to have a hub. Yeah. If you want to I know, do have a hub. Anything, anywhere to go. Instagram. Yeah. The place. So I have that shop. There's nothing up there. I think there are a few dice actually up there right now. Um, they're from the old molds. But um, I have two more open dice commissions. And really, those are just send me message and we will work. <laughs> we'll make it work. That's cool. I'm and... pretty like open to just open communication. I'm really easy to get a hold of. It's cool that, like, I've never been one to create, I mean, I, I do create, I create stories, but I've never created things like tangible things that are like, I, I, I don't look, I don't I don't have some, uh, the experience of going, this is not a thing that existed before, and then now it exists because I did it, because I made a thing. I've, I've always you, admired that. I, I definitely had to learn to do that. So I, I'm an ex-teacher as of a few months ago. But I ran our the middle Con school. Congratulations on getting out of that, I guess maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a mess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm enjoying my new job. Yes. Not that I didn't love teaching. My kids were awesome. I had it's nothing the, against The them. teaching part of teaching is fantastic. Uh, I've spoken to many a teacher who says they love teaching if only the job of teaching was actually teaching. But it's not. It's it's everything else that's around it teaching is. that they hate. Yep. Um, but I ran our uh, theater department. Oh right, like cool. by myself. So I was director. I was wow. uh, all. I was music director and normal director because I have I have a performing arts background, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. also known as I'm a choir kid. All oh, right. <laughs> and I've done some like opera, so nice. that became here. You know how to do performance <laughs> things. Take the theater club. Yeah. Um, but I also did all like the set design and costuming. Helps and... for uh, helps for your, your DM uh, work though, having that storytelling creative side of uh, that, that that theater background. Oh, it totally does. Uh, it it was super helpful. I had very little acting experience before teaching children how to act. <laughs> You're like, here, yeah, here's how to do the thing. Oh, it's I'd never been in a play before. Wow. <laughs> And directing, I directing after of... directing with not having acted, it must be a difficult situation. It was it was fun. Uh, I actually really enjoyed doing it. Uh, I had really creative kids, mm -hmm. and middle schoolers are weird and awkward. Yeah. And getting them to come out of their shell through being goofy yeah. and like dressing up like Shrek to do Shrek the musical right. because that's what you do with thirteen year olds. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Then also having to be like okay i need an entire set for lion king and yeah. all of their costumes and okay how do we turn 
milk jugs into those like really cool headdresses. <laughs> yeah, damn, that's cool. How long were you? Uh, how long were you a teacher? How long were you doing that sort of thing? Six years. Six years. And Basically you... went college, classroom. And what do you? And what do you do now? What was the job change? I I do curriculum sales. So still in the education world, um, but I am a curriculum specialist for a a curriculum company. So I meet with teachers. I train them on how to use our program. It's not. A, it's about as exciting as that sounds. Um, but I work if from home, so yeah, that's if nice. If it's paying the bills and it's not giving you the same headaches as uh, teaching and having to deal with all these new initiatives that people higher up who don't actually teach come up with, um, you should be teaching oh, like this. Yeah. This is this is what the studies show is going to be better for. Have you ever put this into practice? No, we're doing that with you right now. Okay. We, on top of, so are we going to drop anything from our current curriculum or are we just going to add that as well? I'm just going to add it yeah. as well. You should also still be doing this and this and this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've never oh, taught. I've never right. been a teacher, but I've, I know a lot of teachers <laughs> that all have the, and, and it's not even just the same, like, it's not a, it's not a country thing. The, the, you're, you're in America. I've, I've spoken to teachers in the US and uh, uh, people in the UK, people in New Zealand. It's it's the it's the world over it seems <laughs> that are just like yeah. here's how we here's how we teach, and here's how the higher ups who don't teach tell us to teach. Yeah. yeah. So at least you're at least you're uh, feeling better about your 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 life. You're doing um you're doing uh, full time at that work, and then also basically full time making stuff for uh, for for your games. Tell how 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 many hours a week are you putting into creating and just the creating part, not even playing actually can get away with not doing too much especially when i'm good about delegating right um and when you, I, when you remember I, when you remember to actually tell people hey you do minis you can do these for me right, and i did that i've sent out the stl files they're getting printed i'm i'm dming the women's month nice. so i didn't have to communicate with anybody i knew what i wanted yeah nice <laughs> and i was able to be like okay get me your pc minis uh send me the stls i'm sending it to the printer um i on a normal week will spend maybe an hour uh if i'm really sitting down and crafting i'll spend like most of a day mm -hmm. uh so the the terrain that we're going to showcase today on stream i think i finished it in three hours oh wow uh from start to finish i built a tower that seems like you, that's it. That's uh, I mean, three hours. Obviously, people are like oh, that's people who don't know might be like oh, that's more than a feature-length movie or whatever. That's a long time. But to get to go from nothing to having a wizard's tower or something created, that's impressive. Would you make it mostly out of cardboard or? Um, I have these little like styrofoamy blocks. Hmm. Um, they're somewhere. I think they're in the cabinet behind me. Um, but I found them in like the clearance section at the craft store and they're cool. Cause I can kind of like squish them and reshape them and use my nails to like gouge into right, them right. to make like craggy rock. Hand and I just handy like, for styrofoam, I suppose. Do you, yeah. do, you, do, you, do you, do you find that your floor of your workshops just carpeted in like broken off styrofoam and polystyrene bits and <laughs> It was, I cleaned. <laughs> you cleaned, good. Because that's the one thing about polystyrene. Whenever I've like crafted with it as a kid or whatever, it's just, it's so bitty. It comes it comes, up, uh, comes away. And, and because it's um, because it gets the static electricity, it just ends oh up God. sticking to you everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> that's why I try not to like actually cut into the styrofoam. Yeah. 
just gotta uh, d- dig into it, press, compress it, and things instead of cutting. Yeah. It. So compression, and then I use like a like the the superset has a grid in it because I'm gonna use it as play space, yeah, so yeah. I like having a grid. Um, so I used a razor blade, and I just kind of pushed it down, right? Yeah. And made an outline of the grid, and then took a tooth like toothpick and pushed it into pushed that the grid, and that's clever. Damn, that's so cool. So it's to... impressive that you don't put uh, you don't have to. You've like managed to uh, get so good at doing it that you don't have to put in like all of your hours actually creating things you can you know what you want and you can like do you ever get the sort of creative block of sitting down with something going what should i make this into absolutely all the time um it's why i really like working with things that are kind of pre-shape like Mm -hmm. the like all the styrofoam stuff yeah because it's already a shape especially with the styrofoam i don't want to mess with that shape so I'm looking at it thinking, what can I make with this? Right, and yeah. it cuts the build time down. I've always, uh, yeah, I've always said that like um, restriction breeds creativity. If you've already been given a, a canvas with like a splotch of something on it, you can go, oh, that kind of looks like an elephant. So I could make it into an elephant. I used to love playing that game as a kid where you do like just a scribble on the page and then you give it to your friend and they have to turn it into something. And then they do a, they so do a scribble on a page and they give you it. And then you're like, oh, this kind of looks like an army tank. Uh, but if you just give somebody a blank page and say draw something it's it's there's a lot more of like i don't know what to what do i draw yeah same with the styrofoam if you just have a solid block of styrofoam you have to you have to be sort of michelangelo and just see david inside of it and go oh okay what could this be whereas if it's already kind of looks like a statue you can be like oh this i can make this into a that's pretty cool. Exactly. And then how? Uh, so that so you play you, you do like an hour or two, couple hours of uh, of, of um, sort of creating things, and then how how much do you actually play the game? Um, this weekend's a lot. <laughs> uh, usually I'll play one to two sessions a weekend. It depends if it's a stream weekend. Um, but this weekend I have stream today, eight a.m. I have I play in a game called Evermore which is run by GotDM over on Instagram. Amazing guy. This world has been running for 27 years uh, and has multiple groups all active and we're all affecting the world all at once. I have no idea how he keeps all of this straight. Um, That's cool. But I'm playing in his game uh, at 8 a.m. tomorrow and then at 4 Five tomorrow, I have my home game. <laughs> so that'll is... be three, six, nine hours of D anD. d And this, this is this is not a normal um, a routine weekend for you, though. Not usually. Usually, it's <laughs> one to two. Right. One to two games per weekend. You don't you don't ever do anything through the week. I imagine working full time and then also doing weekend stuff would be pretty tough. Yeah, I usually don't do it during the week just because, especially being Pacific, like most yeah. people are like, yeah, let's let's do something. Start at like 3 p.m. <laughs> and obviously today is a work day, but yeah. my new schedule is a lot more flexible. Nice. <laughs> um, I've done a few during the week if someone asks me to be on their stream. Mm-hmm. Um, but mostly it's the weekend just because that's when I have more yeah. time. You got time to actually do it. That's cool. Does your um, your husband play? Is he in, into the hobby at all? Yep. So he he's one of my players. Uh, he's currently playing a changeling monk rogue named Molinar. Cool. 
It must um, it must help it must be helpful that your husband plays because then you don't have quite as much of a um a, a job of convincing him uh, that you need all of that space specifically for and he doesn't go I need I need some of that storage for my things and he's like no no if I, if if if, she, if she's got the space to make even more terrain then I'm only benefiting from it anyway. Exactly. I'm making things for him. Exactly. That's what it is. It's out of love. He has the garage. Yeah. Yeah. You got the garage, <laughs> I got the workshop. That. Only time will tell. Thanks for the raid. Thank. Hope your uh, your stream was good. Uh, we are currently chatting with Ashlyn from uh, Dollar Store DM and Art of Adventure. So, how did you get into D anD D in the first place? What was the What was your path to Dungeons and Dragons? So, oh god, how long ago? Five years ago? I don't know what time is anymore. Um, <laughs> my husband's best friend uh, had played before and was like, "Hey." play D and D like come on I will DM for you just like out of the blue just kind of felt like it why not yeah out of the blue felt like it um and a thousand percent when we were talking he's like yeah Ashlyn I knew you were you were a shoe in to start with I didn't have to convince you uh, <laughs> I was like fair and why and uh, why is that like why did he have that impression of you did you were you into like mini gaming uh, already or war gaming no, board games I'm just kind of fantasy genre I'm, films Yes, so yeah. I'm super fantasy nerd, right. um, and I lo I've always loved storytelling. Right. Um, so I was the easy one to convince. Yeah. Um, so our first party was me, uh, my husband, who took a lot more convincing, and I wrote his sheet so that he was like, I'm <laughs> just yeah, it, you got to reduce that hurdle as much as you can so that it's like okay, fine, I'll step over it, and then whoop, well, I did I did all of that. Yeah. Because I was easy to convince. Um, and then my, uh, one of my best friends, Michael, I think that was the whole group. And then my buddy John joined us after. Um, that was our original crew. That first character was terrible. Like, no one should let someone who's never played before <laughs> unsupervised make, make their character. own character. Yeah, no. I, had, <clears throat> I had a ranger. Pre-gen pre pre all the way. <laughs> yeah. 20 decks, six con. <laughs> I can hit, but if you hit me, I'm dead. I, I was a glass cannon. Yeah, like I did piece of damage cannon. with this Beastmaster, but oh my god, I fell unconscious all the time. Damn, that's good. And you were a Beastmaster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what a what a yep. what a class to start with. And you and you and you fell in love with the game somehow. Yeah. <clears throat> Even playing a glass I cannon love, beastmaster. I love love Beastmaster. Rangers get such a bad rep. Yeah, because of Beastmaster. <laughs> I'm I'm one of the first to defend Rangers as a as a class, but they get such a bad rep because of the subclass Beastmaster, which yeah. just uh, it needed a lot of work. And then they tried working it, and they went too far the other way. And then they, I think they've I think they've finally settled on something that works really well now with the summon beast, um, like beast stat block that's like a spirit of an animal that you summon in the form of an animal rather than like having to stick to a particular beast's stat block and that works works relatively well you can you can this way you can flavor it however you want you can say like it's a giant bear or it's a dire wolf or whatever and it just uses the same stats that keeps it balanced rather than punishing you for being like i really want to have a an eagle companion but eagles have like you know four hit points or something so like why would i ever do that and yeah, I, I had, you can just be I like, I summon aerial, uh, what do they call it, an air air spirit beast or something, and then you like you can make it what it look like whatever you need it to. 
Yeah, I had I had a wolf. I loved her. Her name was Safira. Um, but I also then multiclassed into because it's my first character, and of course I then mm. immediately multiclassed. Yeah, because um, why why wouldn't you do something that's notoriously difficult to do, especially from a half casting class ranger? What did you What did you multiclass into? Druid. Oh, so you went from a like half a casting plan. class into a full casting class, which is super easy to do. Very not yeah. confusing for a new player at all. Not at all. Um, I didn't get very far. I think I got to level three. I got to Wild Shape. I used Wild Shape one time. I turned into a cat. And <laughs> with your with your sorcerer, wolf with your wolf companion next to you. Yeah, my husband sorcerer then got spooked by the cat. Because I'd never wild shaped before <laughs> and shot me with a fireball. <laughs> um, yeah, but I had this like grand scheme of like this dire wolf with her like wolf companion, so it's like all the pack tactics yeah. and yeah. like there was a plan. I'm going yeah. to replay this character. It's gonna be great. One day. You're gonna, you're gonna work it out, build it right. Right from the <laughs> beginning. Don't give a six con. So you got into it with your ranger. Uh, how long did you play that character before it was um, the, the campaign fell apart or everybody died or whatever happened? The campaign fell apart. Uh, but at that point, I was DMing as well. So mm -hmm. we were running two simultaneous. Right. So I just kind of took over. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it happened, isn't it? How, how, long, was it, how long was it going? Uh, <clears throat> a little less than a year. Oh, wow. It's decent length, though, for the first, uh, first time. And uh, what sort of levels did you go? Did you start at level one and go through to... Level seven or something? Started no. three and got to six, seven. That's not bad. That's not bad. Playing once a week, once a fortnight, once a month. Yeah, about like once a week, once every yeah. other week. Yeah, depends on life, life. Life gets in the way. Yeah. And so then you started. So so it wasn't long. If that was your introduction, and within a year you were already DMing, it wasn't much of a um, a turnover, was it? Like as soon as you started, it was suddenly. <sighs> Gotta get have more oh, of this. Entirely. Oh yeah. Um, I wrote me. my first like homebrew one shot because uh, I then immediately went homebrew DM. Right, I ran yeah, one yeah, yeah. module. I ran uh, the. I keep wanting to say Salt Marsh, but it's not. Um, Skyhorn Lighthouse. Um, I don't even know that one. Skyhorn. And it was great, but my party immediately, like immediately, <laughs> instead of like just. Like, it was a clear direction to go in. They immediately went, let's go steal a ship. Oh, and let's God. just sail off. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Trying to run modules. It's, like, it's a double-edged sword. I, when people say, uh, I'm starting out DMing, any tips? Uh, I, I tend to recommend starting with a module just to get familiar with the game and things. Even though, hypocritically, I n I've never really run modules. I've, I, I, my very first game was a homebrew game that I'm still running to this day. But I do say that, like, theoretically, running modules should be easier for new DMs. But at the same time, there is, like, a... He, there is an he element. has run a module... Sorry, go on. Run a module that has a... Like, doesn't have vehicles that they could steal. <laughs> that's what yeah. I learned because that's the double-edged sort of it like, it's like okay going in with a module it, the module definitely wants you to go on a particular direction to a path at the journey at the end and so you and so it's easier to get derailed and if you're not familiar with that then you're a new DM might be like I don't know what to do now because the module says they should be going this way and they're not so what do I do um, so there's there's definitely yeah, they have to be trapped within something. <laughs> yeah, which is why modules like Icewind Dale has you trapped in the Dead Frost, and it was like 
if you go off if you go off track and do something that the module doesn't want you to do you die you die in the wilderness <laughs> and and the exactly. um uh the wild beyond the witchlight has you trapped in the feywild and it's like if you you can't go off you can't go off, off track because there's mist walls and stuff and you can't you've got to stay within the swamp or whatever so there's, exactly there's, um, there's modules that specifically put like barriers around you like a video game and it's like you can't you can't go off track yeah we had to pause for a second in that first one i'm like if you take a ship you will hit one of those invisible video game walls. <laughs> you're gonna get on a ship but if you try and sail away with it we immediately try to be pirates yeah of course uh, but you were like so, i don't i'm not i'm not experienced enough knowing how to deal with this you're gonna have to come back to this module please yeah um though i then for the the homebrew campaign did give them the pirate campaign you set you, you set them on a pirate ship to begin with and they were like no 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 and they steered it into shore and they were like let's go and kill the dragon and you're like great they actually were the same they were the same characters that they did that one shot with all oh, right <laughs> um, they just really liked them and yeah. so i built a pirate campaign and that's part of the reason why my new campaign is in a desert because <laughs> you're like because there's no pirates in the desert and they're like there's, there's no are there sand no ships pirates. are there airships <laughs> there's the air pirates train. <laughs> there is a maglev train and i'm cursed i swear to god wizards of the coast is like listening to me or something <sighs> because i wrote this pirate campaign yeah and built my own mechanics and did all of this and a few months in Sa salt marsh came out <laughs> and i started building this new like magitech desert campaign yeah. completely different and i spent nine months writing my own world and then Eberron comes out yes yeah. what are you what are you, what are you what are you working on now so that we get a, f a future glimpse as to what the wizards of the coast are going to be bringing out next i'm still on that that you... same uh deserts of tomorrow one that's the the we, magic wizards desert. wizards somewhere uh, somebody at wizards is going god i hope she gets to the end of this bloody desert of tomorrow soon because we need a new book we need a new <laughs> we've not got any ideas until she comes up with something i know they're screwed so that's a good segue to talk, tell us about this Deserts campaign you're running. Let's talk about Deserts of Damara. Yeah, how long has um, it been running? When where, where can people see it if they can? Uh, we are no longer uh, streaming that one, but the first few, I think starting like session three of the campaign through like session seven mm -hmm. is on my YouTube, if you're curious. Um, it's a really fun world. I decided that I wanted to run a campaign straight from level nine to level 20. But I oh, also why, why level didn't nine? want because uh, it's just where I That's where arbitrarily started them. Fair enough. Um, but I didn't really want to deal with ninth level spells. So I have created a world that there was a like eight thousand years ago a magical cataclysm that caused the destruction of an ancient like draconic bloodline sorcerer based empire. Right. Now magic is gone. Okay. Because the magic went crazy. So now everything is half cast or lower. Oh, okay. So you can do crazy shit with, like, a half caster. Mm. Once you get, like, you just so, have to be more creative. So does that you mean you can, you can only play um, rangers and paladins? Or you can play a wizard, but you can you only have the spell slots of a half cast? It is only, you can only play a half cast class or level. Right, so no wizards, no, uh, how do you how do you handle warlocks? Because they get up to level five, so they're kind of half cast, but they also get the eldritch they, abomination stuff where they can. Yeah. 
they get a little crazy towards later. So I had one of my friends, John, played a Hexblade Warlock to start. But I had I gave him the caveat, and there was a story reason for it. He died before the story reason happened. Um, but I said, this character is not going to last the whole campaign. Right. There is going to be something that... And he was playing an evil character, so it's yeah, like, right. it worked. Yeah. Um, and he ended up dying earlier than I intended. Um, I, it's the only PC I've ever killed. Okay, not, not sure I killed Ray's character on stream. So I've killed two PCs. <laughs> um, I killed one with a falling rock. That was Ray. Uh, but John's character, I, uh, he had a sort of vengeance. So he's this like Goliath Hexblade warlock and his Hexblade was a sort of vengeance. Right. And I had them fighting a hag and Rakshasa. And I had the Rakshasa target him to, like, charm him to get him to yeah. attack his party members. Yeah. As one does when you run a Rakshasa. Yeah, of course. And I didn't really think about it until after he got hit by one of the party members that the Sword of Vengeance mm. would then activate and yeah. his super low wisdom was gonna, you know, not allow him to ever recover from that, yeah. no matter how much they hit him. So even after they killed the Rakshasa and thought that they would have, like, you know, that he'd that'll, be fine. That'll break the curse. Yeah, that'll break the thing. Nope. Nope, he just kept attacking them, and he hadn't told anybody that he had this. Like, nice. nobody knew. Everyone was super confused. And it ended up in, like, a character thing of, they killed him. Oh, wow. Like, his own party members not knocked just, him not out. Not just to zero? Or they actually, like, kept hitting him after death saves? Zero, and then spent so long arguing whether or not they were actually going to feed him a health potion that he bled out on the floor. Oh. Oh, and this man. isn't like a, I'm just letting it happen in the background. I'm like, okay, John, I need you to roll another death save. I have a, yeah, like, like here's me trying to remind you guys that he's making death saves for this. I, uh, I, I have a feeling, like, we're the good guys. Um, might be, <laughs> might be uh, related to that campaign. From it is related to the pirate campaign. Um, they so... murdered one of my NPCs. So I killed them. Uh, no, no, I well. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Well, yes. I there were almost very dire consequences. So right. they were in this like gnomish city where uh, they. They, on their ship, had this gnome who was a tinkerer uh, who made special black powder that, when it got wet, would still function. Okay. Really, really big thing on a pirate ship when yeah. one of the players is a gunslinger. Yeah. Like, it allowed him to be able to go underwater yeah, and come fire, back up and be able to use his firearm. Fire his gun, you know, on a ship where mm -hmm. it's raining and water and, yeah. Um, so they go into this town and they meet uh, this NPC's granddaughter. Um, and she's like studying to be an artifice, or no, studying to be like an evocation wizard. Like just young, hotshot, 19 year old kid. Mm -hmm. um, and this was supposed to be like an in game reason why the gunslinger suddenly had spell bullets, because that's something that happens with the, the gunslinger class I was using mm -hmm. um, is that the ammunition becomes magical. So, uh, she, he starts trying to be, like, a smartass and, like, oh, well, can you show us what you can do? 
he knew full well, like, this NPC is here so that there's an in-game reason why you have magic bullets. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. He knew that. Um, and I have the I have her, like, take them out to a field. It's like, okay, she's going to show off some of the things she knows, and she's an evocation wizard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of the first things I have her do, they, like, she did, like, prestidigitation, something simple. And they were like, oh, that's not impressive. And I went, fine. And cast firewall surrounding oh, okay. them all. Yeah. But Specifically saying, it's pointing away from you. Pointing you are out. not yeah. getting damaged by this. Yeah. And my plan was she was then going to cast, like, fly, and the firewall would drop, and she'd shoot upwards. Like, I had a thing. And immediately the monk goes, uh, just unloading all the punches. I'm punching in the face. She's casting fire. Oh, no. Yeah, punching in the face. Like, full flurry of blows. So she's down to, like, two hit points. Oof. And the druid immediately then goes, I cast blight. Oh, that's not a that's not a weak spell either. That's not. Oh, no. They're staring at them for a second, like just desiccate her corpse as well. <laughs> and I'm sitting here like this is the granddaughter of your black powder person. Like there are consequences yeah. here. How are you gonna? Are you, are you gonna enjoy uh, your guns with no powder from now on because he finds out you've murdered his granddaughter? Yeah, we had we had words after that. The session ended at that point. Yeah, and I was like, okay, y'all, we're gonna talk about consequences. Mm. I don't. I wouldn't know anything <laughs> about that. My Viva guys never get consequences for their actions. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I heard that they uh, asked you to take the plot armor off. <laughs> they did, and then jumped off of an airship. Yep. <laughs> the same session. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah, I know a little about plot armor. <laughs> Where the good guy says, listen, we brought the NPC a gift back basket, so it's all good. Oh, wait, you... there's John. Hi, John. Sorry we, sorry we murdered He's your... He's the monk. Sorry he... we murdered your he daughter. Your granddaughter. Here's, here's some fruit. <laughs> So that was yeah, all in so the pirate campaign. That was all the pirate campaign. Um, and then you were like, I'm sick of pirates and, and the ocean. Let's set it in a desert. Partly because most of my players are engineers. Right. Who, you know, work with the Navy. Yeah, okay. So they're all like, physics of, it's the physics of how it works. I don't know how boats work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've got the same thing when I'm, whenever I'm doing something where I'm like, I don't, I, you've, somebody's asking me like, what kind of tree is it? I'm like, it's a tree. I don't, it's a, a birch. And they're like, oh, is it a birch tree? If it's a birch tree, then it should be. And I'm like, I don't, maybe it's not a birch. Maybe it's a beech. Beech wouldn't be. Oh, so why is a beech in this area? It's a, it's a palm tree. I don't know. It's a tree. Just <laughs> don't ask me things I don't know about. <laughs> yeah. Same with, same with so boats. It's easier. It's sand. It's the boat. It's at the front of the boat. <laughs> Uh, don't you mean the bow of the boat? I don't know. I don't know if I mean the bow of the boat because I can't remember if it's bow or stern. It's at the front. You know what front means, so why do we need yeah. another word for it? This way. <laughs> it's that. It's that direction of the boat. You go down into the underground bit of the boat. Um, do you mean the hull or the? <laughs> I don't know what I mean. Must be even harder exactly. if they're all working with the navy. So you were like, hey, it's in the desert. There's a sand dune, and there's another sand dune, and there's some sand, and there's the sky. Yeah. <laughs> now we've got what? desert yeah, over there. Up? We've got, like, River Nile in the middle. Yeah. And we've got Badlands over there. Nice. All of those are easy. 
So, so what? So the first idea for that particular campaign setting was, I don't want to work with high-level magic, so let's make that a yep. big history moment of the setting. Yep. So it's become a thing, um, kind of tying this all together. And their current storyline. Now that I know John's on, watching, I'm not going to reveal it. Because <laughs> I left them on a very big cliffhanger. Oh, nice. You got to eat part of yeah. DM 101. You got to leave every session on a cliffhanger, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but they're currently chasing after what's known as the vessel, which is an ancient uh, artifact that supposedly contains the soul of a dracolich from millennia ago. Wow. So that was what originally powered and caused the draconic bloodline to spread in right. the Right. Gotcha. That's cool. So they're trying to locate the vessel. Um, and then things are going to happen. <laughs> things are going to happen. How long have you been playing yeah. that, that particular campaign setting? Uh, that's been since right at the start of COVID. All right. So about two years or so. And what level, yeah. what level are they? You said you started them at nine? Started nine. They're now at 15. Oh, wow. It's not bad. Two years. Yeah. Because it hasn't been super consistent just mm. because life got weird. Yep. What? Um, What's been weird about life in the last two years? Nothing at all. Nah, nothing bad has happened. Nothing bad has happened. I saw something the other day that was like, I'm sick of living in what what uh, the future will use as history history textbooks. <laughs> I'm sick of living in the period of the future's history. <laughs> yeah. And crazy. not for good reasons. Just crazy times. So many crazy times. You're like, what started World War Three? Well, how long have you got? <clears throat> yeah. But hey, that's, uh, that's that's part of why we do what we do, right? It's uh, good to have escapism, good to have some entertainment, good to have uh, fantasy to escape to. Entirely. So um, you've got, you have got mentioned before that you have a, uh, a tech person that can help you out with some stream issues and things. What's your, what's your, what's your team look like when you're working on any of your uh, content, any of your Out of Adventure stuff? So we started off, um, I asked my buddy, John, so we're hmm. the good guys. Um, he ran our stream tech for the first big chunk because mm -hmm. um, he has background with it and I am tech not savvy. Uh, I'm pretty useless, like admittedly awful um and now uh andrew magebrush has been stepping in uh for the tech role as well cool um so and... i don't have to be like hey john do my tech forever <laughs> and that was just, just that... that that just came about as a natural kind of collaboration of like hey i need help with this and can you help because yep friendship because that can that can be a tough thing uh as well like especially when you're starting out and you kind of want your own thing to have your own style and nobody can help me i've got i've got to, i've got a design for it it can be hard to do ask for help so it's uh, it's good that you were able to reach out to friends and be like hey i need help and you're better with tech than me or whatever oh yeah i'm the first to admit that i don't know how to do tech <laughs> i mean you managed, I know to, you managed to get onto this call fine no no issues getting on <laughs> do discord at least and that's that's all i can i can press accept call <laughs> <laughs> that's the level we're at yeah but we stream through discord so yeah i'm used to that yeah that makes sense so you use discord as your uh stream software how does that work do you i don't know if so is there a, is discord built into streaming or have you got an obs that uses the discord video so we use obs and screen cap everybody's faces from the right, discord gotcha. call and then we've we finally figured out our battle cam situation which is awesome uh, uh what cam 
battle cam because battle. we okay i heard bowel and i was like you've you got a, a bowel cam I was like, hey, that's you, some you in, that's, that's some in, invasive cameras <laughs> right there We've got bowel cams. Just yeah, everyone that everyone at our table must under. It's in the fine print. Everybody must be currently undergoing a, a, colonoscopy. a colonoscopy, and 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 stream it onto the a bowel cam. A battle um, so makes so much more sense. Battle cam, mm. yes. Um, I don't know why we're not getting viewers. I don't know what's happening. We've got such original content. It's our point of, it's our point of unique sale. I don't see anybody else online doing it, so I don't know why we're not getting any any new viewers. <laughs> so you've got a battle cam set up, and that's a that's an actual like physical camera that you've got on the on the terrain that you're using. Uh, so we now have like a whole setup there that has its own cameras. So now that Andrew's running the tech, he has the battle cam and all of that. So he uh just runs that through separate cameras into mm -hmm. obs yeah and then we um when i was uh, when i joined you guys um for out of adventure uh which you can see on youtube i believe right it's on it's on so youtube you yes you can you can find the link uh somewhere and you can also find it on my youtube i've got a uh, a document on my youtube community page that highlights all of the different videos that i'm in on other people's channels and dollar star dms out of Adventure is on there. So if you want to watch the uh, episode that I ran for uh, Dullstar DM, I was, um, it was like a horror theme, uh, like, uh, not horror, but it was like a Halloween themed. Halloween. Halloween themed, not horror. It was a, it was a, a children's, children's horror kind of, trick or treaty kind of um, uh, spooky uh, themed. It was very good. I really enjoyed the the game and everything that um, that came from it. Um, so if you oh, want to see that, uh, Fancy's just put a link to it. Thank you, Fancy, in the chat, wherever that is for you. And, uh, and when I was on, uh, we had Andrew just moving everything around. It was like, hey, where do you go? And everybody's like, oh, I'm going to move over to that tree. And then Andrew just will just move the things yep. for you. Seems to work out very well. It's like a good mixture of um, being online, but also not having to be forced to be theater of the mind. Because one of the things I dislike about online games myself is that... Uh, I enjoy terrain. I enjoy minis. I enjoy physical, physically seeing what the layout of the battlefield is, and and I've got a, a thousand minis, so I want to I want to use them. I want to see them, um, and that's a good a good mix of of well, everybody has to be online because we're not going to get somebody to fly across from New Zealand to San Diego, but uh, but we can still enjoy the minis. It's very fun. Yeah, it's it's a super fun way to also be able to show off everything because you know that's kind of the the point of the stream is the stuff we made highlighting and showing off the stuff that we made yeah yeah so, so what happens then for if you all are in the same if you all happen to be in the same uh, region and can actually meet up to play would you do in-person round the table gaming as well so that everybody can actually enjoy the the minis themselves or is it just we easier? haven't we tend to be more like across the board because I like to diversify. We've had some that like three out of the five were all in San Diego. Um, just how it ended up working and I actually didn't realize it until we started. Mm -hmm. um, but because we already have the setup, it's just, I like consistency. Yeah. Easy, easier also, to- Also, I would then need to have cameras for everybody. Yeah, <laughs> true, 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 true. Yeah, just the just the one one across from one side of the table, one across from the other side of the table, one on the DM, yeah. one on the one on the, um, uh, the 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 minis, and already you're at four. Yeah, that's two more than we have. 
Ms. Hype Train. Thank you very much, everybody. Everybody's hyped for you to be here. Don't forget, everybody, that you can be redeeming your channel points uh, or, or you can just be asking questions in the chat. But one way to um, to make sure that I actually see those questions is to um, uh, is to redeem your channel points for the D&D question. Uh, I think that that redemption is turned on. If not, Fancy is hearing me right now and will undoubtedly be on it because she's amazing. Um, so you can you can redeem your um, you can redeem your D and D questions uh, for me or for uh, for Ashlyn, and we can answer those as well. So you can you know I, I do I do neglect the chat somewhat when I'm in, doing a um, a short rest because obviously I have a guest here to talk to, uh, but but I am reading uh, the chat and right on the right next to your face. Yeah. Um, so definitely, if you've got any questions for either of us, make sure to uh, to ask them there. Um, so how? So remind me, how long did you say you'd been doing out of adventure, like specifically, not just D and Ding in general? Since December of twenty twenty. And in that time, so, you've done. You 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 said today's is num episode fourteen. Fourteen, yeah. Fourteen. So for the first with it being the the um, idea behind it is like the people playing in one make the stuff for the next players. Episode one wouldn't have had anything made for them, so that was just you'd made everything for them, or um, we. I talking with those people because they were the first group was all people that I was friends with, right? Like talk to regularly, um, and it was part of the caveat of if the, we're going to turn this into a thing, you will make for yourself, like you will make for the game the first one and the second one, and they were right. all like, "That's fine." Cool. Cool, 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 cool. So everybody in that first game made their own minis and terrain, and then also once you'd set up, who the next thing. So, so the logistics of that is you set up, you play, and then you try and set up the next people, or do you try and set up two in advance so that the people, as they're playing, already know who the next people are going to be and yeah. what they're going to be making? Always great about it, but I try <laughs> and have. Uh, I need to pull April. Uh, I haven't actually <laughs> cast April yet. Um, but I'll usually have it. I mean, like, that's understandable. You've month. moved house and then you've got uh, two this month, <laughs> the women's the, the women's month one, right? And then so you, yep. you've had a lot to prepare. prepare. So, but you try and have the next one after uh, lined up as well so that you know what you need. Yeah, so in like the next week, I'll, I, I've been doing it where I will like cast four months at a time. Mm -hmm. and put those all on the spreadsheet and then forget to cast the next one until I'm like, oh shoot, I need to cast. <laughs> <laughs> and it'll do four months at a time. Yeah. Yeah, is it is the way. Like I I try like ideally in an ideal world I would be filming uh I'd re recording a Twitch Tales episode on Twitch on a weekend and then editing one and getting it out. Uh but I ended up with a massive backlog of just like I haven't edited these in a long time and uh yeah, and we're start, we're slowly catching up because uh, the last couple of weeks with moving house, I haven't I haven't filmed anymore, but I've still been releasing them, so that gap's getting slightly smaller, slightly quicker. But yeah, it's, life gets in the way. Um, so then you uh, so then you set up the next people, you ask them to come up with their characters as soon as possible, so that then you know what minis to be <laughs> printing and painting. Yeah, yeah. And... So I've got all but one of the the PCs for the March one, which is nice. And the DM, you ask like, "Hey, as soon as you can, just tell me what, uh, where the battles are going to take place, so that we can make the terrain for it and put that together." Yep. And what monsters? What monsters you're going to be needing? For, of course, yeah. Yeah, I remember that was uh, that was a fun experience because I, as a as a dungeon master, I tend to get my inspiration for story from 
the players and their backstories and stuff and how they interact and and finding little bits that they're like oh they mentioned this in this backstory and this in this backstory i can kind of link those to a common npc and so i had to wait i had to kind of wait until i got all my players to decide on their characters and before i could even put to get the story together and then once i had the story i could then tell you what terrain and monsters i needed and then it was like well we don't have one of those monsters and it's much too late to get one now so i was like okay i can i can mentally switch that monster to this monster it's a lot of fun i I won't give anything away about the um the game because it was a very fun one and i do highly recommend uh, going to to watch it um there were some very good players and very good characters that intertwined and i was quite proud of how the the story was kind of like childish, uh, childish Halloweeny themed. Um, so then the uh, the terrain, the minis, they're all made. Uh, do the people making them that they, they get reimbursed in any way, or is it just like, hey, we're doing it because nobody's making any money here and uh, everybody's just passionate about it? Yeah, it's usually that. Um, I do always offer like, hey, if you made a monster and you're really proud of it, I will send it back to you, um, and then everyone gets their PCs. Right, everybody gets a hold of their own PC to use, that's cool. So we're sponsored by Eldritch Foundry, so everybody gets to custom make their own PC, oh, and nice. then it gets like professionally painted and then sent to them. Nice, that's cool. Whenever I remember to go to the post office. <laughs> when you do it, yeah. Um, so you, So that's the process, almost done, you get your minis painted, then you actually film the thing, um, and you stream it onto Twitch, uh, twitch.tv forward slash dollar underscore store underscore dm same as the yep. same handle everywhere um and then you uh, and then the people once they've played they then immediately have to start doing their version of the next one or do, do some of them like already start it before they actually play Depends. with you? the terrain builders tend to do it earlier um so like most of the terrain is already built for the the 26 right partly because i already built it um <laughs> And the other stuff I've been planning with the person for a while. So the terrain will usually get done first, um, followed by whenever we get STL files. Right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Can't really do it before you get the STL files. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So then, um, so then you've uh, you're onto the next one. So it's like an ongoing train. So eventually, it'll get to a point where if it ever stops, the the people who are playing get a free ride. Because the people at the front basically have borrowed from the people at the very end of the chain, where they had to do two, and the people at the end only have to do the, uh, they don't have to do any. <laughs> um, I do have a couple questions from the chat. We've got uh, Muffin Fluffer asks, all my group's minis are repurposed from a Lord of the Rings chess set, because uh, we're noobs. What's the best or worst improvised mini that you've ever seen in your games? My best or worst mini? Um, well... Sorry, I have I have a chess set in here that I'm going <laughs> to use as terrain that I got nice. at a thrift shop. Um, how 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 long every week do you spend at thrift shops? This was when we had like first moved, so I was also looking for like house decor, and right. so we're decorating just, our just new tavern because we now play D and D in a tavern, and that's I'm... incredible, by the way. So there was just like you, you what is that? Is that a repurposed bedroom? Like what? You just had a tavern room? Um, so, it's cursed is what it is. Uh, <laughs> is that what the real estate so, agent when they were showing you the house? Don't go into oh, that room. Oh, yeah, I'm going to give you the story tavern. and you're going to be like, oh, no, it is cursed. Oh, wow. uh, so, 
this this house is kind of like it's mostly one story and then you go down some stairs that are hidden behind a door and then there's the tavern and then our dog room and then my workshop okay it kind of just keeps going it's like the mystery house that never ends yeah um but the the people who owned the house before us were a like 90 something year old gay couple Mm -hmm. uh so two lovely old ladies who had a thing for clowns Oh, that's not creepy at all. Okay. Yeah, oh, no, so the tavern fine. used to be can... literally known as the clown room. Oh, and when no. I say literally known, I mean, so there's, it was a bar. Like, it was intended to be right. kind of like a bar reading nook. It's got a cute in little a dun- fire in a, in a dungeon. I mean, basement. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's fine. The clown yeah. room, which is a bar in a basement. That's uh-huh. fine. It especially felt basement-y because all of, so all, all of the wall space was taken up with pictures of clowns mm-hmm. okay they covered up they covered up the windows with like a wood veneer and plywood to hang more clowns yeah yeah this is fine this is totally fine was this house free uh, we... <laughs> no <laughs> we, we were like hey we can't sell this house We've taken down all the clowns, but somehow they still, every time we come back in to show somebody around, there's more clowns. Uh, the bar, that's it's still the same bar. It's kind of like a tiki bar style that we're going to turn into, like, you know, taverning bar. Um, it has a thing that, like, folds down, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to block off the bar. And on the underside, in, like, wood letters, it said the clown room. Oh, yeah. And when I took the letters off, There was blood left, behind like, You're not wrong. Oh my god. <laughs> it was like this sticky red blue. Holy shit. Oh my god. My brain went I was going like what would be the creepiest thing to have left behind from the uh, oh. And it still said the clown room in just oh like Oh my murder fucking letter. god. I will send you that picture because Holy it's shit. So I want to see it. I want to put it on my Discord so everybody watching can see as well. Okay. 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 Shit. Okay. So this 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 9-year-old couple Really into clowns. Really into clowns. S- stuck some wood. The clowns are wood. gone. Yeah, for now. <laughs> you will eventually. You will eventually wake up after. Yeah, how long you been there? A few months. Yeah. yeah there'll be months. an anniversary. You haven't even been there a whole year. So there'll be one day of the year. Maybe the day right before you bought it, so that they can get away with. So they can run away with money. There'll be a day when you'll wake up to. <laughs> and. And and you'll just be like, do you hear that? And and your husband won't hear it. <laughs> and then you'll you'll start you'll start going uh, trying to find it. And then you'll hear like a, <laughs> and, you, and you'll be like, okay, yeah, we're moving, we're moving. <laughs> awesome. So you so, so you have it filled with weapons. <laughs> you know, fill it, fill it with weapons. Give the clowns weapons. You should have the weapons on the outside of the clown room so that when you hear mu- music coming from inside, <laughs> you can pick up a weapon before going in. Awesome. Now we're going to so uh... like common board up and turn it into like a medieval looking tavern and then hang our many weapons up on the wall. You, uh, I just saw somebody in the chat ask me to, uh, with that creepy clown memorabilia. I do have a, I don't know if you know Wild Beyond the Witchlight, but um, we, were, we, were doing, we were doing a theme of the Wild Beyond the Witchlight from, the, uh, from, from Viva the Dirtly, and, and there's a jester in that. <laughs> Welcome to the Witchlight Carnival! Welcome to the room! 
you'll hear that coming from the, your your clown room tavern. Oh so, god. <laughs> so you've uh, you've got yourself a, a tavern. That's pretty dope. Um, we got onto that in the middle of Muffin Fluffer's question about best and worst minis. So you've you, you, I don't know how we got onto that from that, but you you were saying something about like being in a thrift shop so that you can decorate your tavern. I think. And then yeah, and then, and now your now your tavern's being decorated. Is decorated? Have you finished it? Decorated. We have to. We're gonna redo the bar, um, and like tear off the tiki. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and we're actually gonna. We have a bunch of half barrels. When you when that... you burn it, you will hear screaming. By the way. Oh yeah, obviously. Yeah. Um, but it's gonna be like stacked barrels, nice. and then we have some half barrel like barrel lids that we got custom made that say Firefly Aleworks, which was the brewery that they had on their pirate ship. Oh, cool. Oh, man, that's awesome. I love it. Oh, that's going to be great. It's going to be so exciting to when it's when it's done. I definitely want to see pictures of it. Uh, and I assume those pictures will be going up on Instagram as well. You'll be taking oh, photos of it. So if you want to see those yourself, guys, make sure to head down. The uh, link's below me there, instagram.com, Um <laughs> So then back to Muffin Fluffer's question. The, the, the best and worst improvised minis that you've seen. People using chess pieces, people using Lego, people using bottle caps and card. Bottle caps. Uh, that was me. And the worst ones of those were literally like the ones we just put, like popped off of something and like with dry erase marker wrote like B1 mm. and just put that down. Yeah. Um, we had some higher effort ones, not most of them. Uh, best improvised one. Um... I used a candle once. Oh, okay. I used a candle to represent a very large because this is back when we were doing our, our bottle caps and I'm like looking a, at this. Like a like a taper or like a like a tea light? Like a candle. Oh, wow. like, like a, a scented thing. Candle. Oh god. So we had a pirate ship. <laughs> Was it like a gigantic um, gelatinous ooze? Uh <laughs> we had a I don't even remember what it was representing. It was just something big. Um, and we had a pirate ship, so it was all three-dimensional there, and nice. I had, like, player minis. But at this point, I wasn't really mini-painting pla- mini or anything. And the pirate ship was one that my husband had made when he was, like, seven. Oh, nice. That he loves, and it travels with us, and it's awesome. Um, so that became the Firefly. Um, and so I have, like, player minis, I have three-dimensional thing, and I was using bottle caps and, like, coasters. And it felt really weird having it, like, it wasn't three-dimensional, so you couldn't yeah. get a sca- sense of scale. So I then walked over to the bookshelf and grabbed a candle and stuck that down instead. Nice. I mean, you've got, yeah, it's a, if it works, it works. And you yeah. can use your imagination for it. It is weirdest exactly. when, like, if you commit fully to having everything on the battlefield is bits that you've picked up, dice to represent goblins, and you've got a candle and a, maybe a shoe because it's a big ship or whatever, like, then it kind of works. But if you've got, like, some minis and, like, proper proper painted and decent terrain and stuff, and then you're also using candle, that's when it bothers yeah, me the most. I'm like, god damn, I really wish I had a, a mini for a displacer beast or whatever you don't have, you know? Dawn yeah, says it was a giant water elemental or something. It may have been. Okay. That may have been the boss. That may have been the final bad guy. Fire elemental would have made more sense because then you could actually light the thing. That would have made sense. And then as you as you as you're fighting it, its hit points are going down and it's melting. <laughs> some of some of my favorite um, improvised minis are when you're using uh, edible things for the bad guys, like M&Ms or something. You're using jelly babies because then you kill the goblin, you get to eat it. <laughs> 
I love that so much. Yeah, that them. is great. Especially if they are, are like jelly babies, so they're like actually people kind of shaped. Yeah. And then you can like tear them off as well, leave them dead on the battlefield, tear them in half. Good stuff. Um, Seal Silverfang asks, what's your favorite moment or memory from running a game? They turned my big bad into a butterfly. Polymorph? Uh, polymorph. And I, being my first big bad, didn't give it a legendary resistance. <laughs> That's why. That's why, like big story moments, even if they're like a, a the end of a character arc three or something, like a level three arc, I'm I'm still like it's gonna have a legendary resistance because yeah. it's the main bad guy, and I want it to not. We learn. Uh, though it was fun in that they turned it into a butterfly, and then the two tabaxis are chasing this butterfly around this pirate ship that is exploding, uh, with a jar. It takes them two rounds to catch the butterfly because they rolled like crap. It's like a monk and a a rogue for so like sleight really, of hand, really high dexterity it. and still failing. Yeah, and then they threw it into a bag of devouring. Oh wow! Oh god! Oh, I love that bag of devouring. It was one of my favorite items I gave them. The monk would like from the rigging like drop down onto. Uh, enemies with the bag like open like chuck them into the bag that's awesome and from memory uh, it's like a bag of holding but anything that's not anything that's organic that's in there gets devoured or is it sent to the Basically, astral pulls, plane or if you stick your hand in there it's gonna pull try and pull you in and right. eat you. nice that's a very creative and then you just had to be like well well done that's, yeah, you you level up. <laughs> really, it was great. Only I, half a I loved half, it. <laughs> only half half a round into the the fight. Yeah, well, you finished. I at least thing. It, it was a multi stage boss battle, and I got to do all of the stages, and it turned into its final form, and then they polymorphed it. So I was like, it's fine. Okay, that's good. Yeah, that's always that's always good. I I um I tend to have a range uh, for my big my big bad guys. And rather than having like a hit point number i have a hit point range i'm like minimum maximum and they're like as soon as you hit the minimum the next time you do something that's cool and story moment i'll just allow you to that's you get the you get the final blow um or if i'm needing the the fight to be over it's like as soon as, as, soon as you get into the min minimum we've been slogging away at this person with terrible rolls all night uh and finally you got into the minimum so the next hit will kill them and then likewise, if the fight's going really good, it's a dynamic, I'm really enjoying it, everybody's having fun, um, and they're kind of doing damage, but there's nothing like, a, you know, a, two, a fastball special or whatever. Like, if there's, if there's nothing happening, then I'll go, okay, we're, we're chipping away, chipping away, and it's, I won't have them killed yet. And then if they ever get to the maximum, yeah, then I'm like, okay, now the next hit's going to kill it, like, regardless yeah. of how story dramatic it is. So it sounds, yeah, like, it sounds a... like that. You're like, if they've chipped them away and then they yeah. polymorph them into a moth, you're like, eh, it's just, yeah, there you go. Yeah, I uh, I read about this. I haven't done it, but about like a kid who was running one in like a school um, who wasn't keeping track of hit points at all. And the theory was they keep fighting it until it's not fun to fight. <laughs> right. And as soon as it's not fun to fight, why do you keep fighting it? Yeah. I, I, I was like, that's that's cool. Yeah, I've, I definitely use the. I don't um, want to run it, but that's cool. I yeah, I use the um, the min max range so that it's not like there are certain features that certain classes get that are specifically just about you do more damage. There are certain feats that you can take. You've you've wasted a feat taking things that allow you to do more damage output. Um, 
that it it like it would if I didn't track it at all, then I feel like that's completely nullifying those classes that are like specifically yeah. leaning into being DPS, like they're leaning into damage per second output, and that's their whole thing. Uh, why did I spend that much getting a plus two sword so that I can do plus two damage on every strike and all of this? So I, I still track the damage. I just I just try and like mitigate it with like this is no longer fun. So I'll, I'll uh, this is no longer fun, but they've reached the minimum hit points of this this yeah. bad guy. So I'll kill it. I'll, I'll kill them on the next the next round. <clears throat> um. So favorite moment from running the game. Uh, favorite memory from running the game for me. Um. I I love when when they get the realization um, of something ticking into place for them when they realize something you've been setting up uh, when when there's a reveal of a bad guy and they're like oh my god he was the, the, oh and then and then they all start at the table there's lots of table talk of them going and then there was the there was the thing uh, the the initials on the book that was so and so as well and oh that was probably the on oh, was he there when we were talking to the king and I'm like yep he was in the room with you when you and he was invisible oh and, the, oh, and then I did the, the the detect thoughts and I heard the thought of the thing and I was like yep that was him that you were hearing and, oh, it all, all ties into place that's my favorite moment whenever that sort of thing happens when they I'm when very they excited for my Saturday game because it's gonna be that <laughs> it's gonna be lots of that lots of reveal moments yeah cool stuff. Um, all right, uh, we've got a question from Batmurp saying, "Have you had any <laughs> sassy pit tier moments?" So that is in relation to Twitch Tales, uh, the interactive game that I run on my channel. Every weekend, um, I do a a game where I am the dungeon master and everybody in the chat is the player. It's a solo campaign, so there's only one like main character, but everybody in the chat is hive mind controlling that character. Um, and and sometimes that means that they do things that completely catch me off guard. They found a Sasquatch, uh, a, a Bigfoot, and they lured it back with a series of very good rolls. Uh, they lured it back out of the forest and into like a to, to, they they persuaded it to climb down into a pit that they were digging for the for a new menagerie that they were making, and the Sasquatch was going to be like the main attraction. Uh, and so they, they they lured it down into the pit, and then they. Um, uh, then, then the next morning when we were playing, uh, playing through the next day, people are coming across and they're all interested. Oh, what's going on? And they decided we're going to feed it as like a, an attraction. And I put it to the chat like, are you going to just throw food down into the pit? Or are you going to climb down a rope into the pit with it and try and like hand feed it? And they went with that option. And I was like, oh, okay. So they've just cornered a very large, dangerous and rare animal that is specifically notorious for for being shy and like trying to stay away from people and then they've put mm -hmm. him in a pit and he's this morning just been gawked at by all these people and so he's in a very very scared uh scared animal in a corner situation and you're going to climb down a rope into it to hand feed it okay let's do it and so of course it went as, as as well as you can imagine it attacked them and climbed up the rope and escaped um so so batman says have you had any of those sorts of tear moments where the players have done something that's like are you you're gonna oh Okay, you're gonna do that, are you? I've you're gonna ignore all of the, all of the clues that I've given you to how dangerous that will be, and you're gonna do it anyway. What's your, what's your best uh, story of that? I happening? think the the I cast blight is our notorious one. <laughs> when it's like this is an um, NPC that I've set up to be yeah. very very much tied to your roles. But there is another one that's also the same druid who cast blight. Um, <laughs> 
Uh, he was he was a problem character, not a problem player, just <laughs> problematic just the, the character. The character has some interesting motivations, yeah. Um, no, it was the uh, same campaign, and this is this is like a silly little thing, but it like spurred a whole thing. Uh, so they're in this city. It's like the capital city, and they are trying to go to a bar, and they have flown in. Literally, one of them like flew down as a uh, giant eagle. This is the obviously the druid. Yeah, of course. And they're trying to get into this meadery. And the meat owner, the the owner of the place, is like, "Hey, you like you gotta not be a bird." <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't have to explain and I'm this. Here, so I'm like, Dude, you are you are bigger than this door. You can't. You physically You're a can't giant fit. Eagle, yeah. Uh-huh. And they've decided that no, this this shopkeep has slighted them. How dare they be oh, like no. speciesist against the when, giant eagle not when, letting when, it go when an NPC it. asks for something very reasonable and the players are like, how dare you? <laughs> yeah. So what they do is they gayus this NPC uh... into basically poisoning his own mead. What? So that he gets put out of business because it makes a bunch of nobles sick because he was in, like, the rich section of the city. Um, so that they can then uh, take over that business at a, like, low price um, and open up a, uh, a space for their uh, brewery. That's, like, straight-up evil. Were they an evil campaign? Were they an evil party? Ooh. No, they were pirates, so it was the like pirates. a chaotic. Okay, campaign. chaotic. That's straight up evil, though. Where the good guys is trying to, uh, <laughs> trying to justify that... justify his name. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's where that comes from. It's like no, we're the good guys. <laughs> um, another point where that also came in, which was also the druid, was they were rescuing. Uh, they were rescuing someone. Hmm. So we're starting off on a good foot. Of course. Uh, from a cult, like, very much bad guys. Um, he polymorphed the cultists into rats, and then put the rats in a barrel, and then closed up the barrel, and then unpolymorphed them. <laughs> That's... I had to describe this, the noise that came out of that barrel yeah. when... Six humans suddenly became human again. Yeah, I, 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 so I run my, I don't know how, if you use alignment or how you use alignment, but in my games, I don't really use it that often. And it's very much a descriptive thing rather than prescriptive. You don't tell me you're a lawful good character. I tell you if you're a lawful good character. Like I, I'm yeah. like, I'm like, hey, if you, you claim you're lawful good, you started the campaign as lawful good, but the last few actions you've been doing in the last few sessions, you're definitely not lawful good. And that's the sort of thing that I would go, I would make a little note of it and I'd be like, it, it won't necessarily come up in the moment, but if on the rare occasion in 5th edition that something actually relies on alignment, like a spell or a, um, a yeah. magic item or something sometimes, uh, or they meet a unicorn or something, then I'll go, okay, the, the, the unicorn will be able to sense that you are this particular evil alignment uh, because yeah. of because of the fact you just murdered six, six humans in the most horrific way rather than just like straight up slitting throats or whatever you crushed them to death in a, in yeah. a barrel 
they almost lost their cleric over that because they they no one took anything healing no one took anything <laughs> that was the, the druid was not there to heal um yeah. and so i had like an npc cleric that had like story reasons for being there too she was like the ship's doctor at a point um and the druid was dating said npc cleric oh lovely who very much was not having not it not happy with that <laughs> decision i think yeah. this is a i think this is a dangerous relationship we should probably i want to break it off but now i'm scared for what you might do to me because <laughs> that's a yeah. horrific thing to do to some people he was able to frame it strong. around like both of them being genasi and they were rescuing a genasi from like mo many genasis yeah that were being targeted so like he he rolled real well to save that but they never oh, wow. really recovered because all's fair in love and war right there's no such thing as a war crime <laughs> just because we're, yeah. we're saving genasis from these people who are committing genocide on us so uh, therefore i can torture them to death in a barrel and John is saying they did they did uh, recruit two of these the cultists later who weren't super fanatic and then <laughs> took them to a spa. Oh, then that, then then it's all all good. It's a, it's all water under the bridge. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, usernames becoming more and more apt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, um if there's uh, if there's no other questions from people in the chat, uh, I think we're, we we might as well wrap it up there then. Um if, uh, where can people uh, where can people find you? Where can people uh, follow your stuff? What what are you working on at the moment? Any projects coming up that you should plug? Yeah, uh, so I am on all the social medias except for Twitter because I don't know how to tweet very well. I'm not that creative in that few of characters. Um, everything is under dollar underscore store underscore DM because consistency. Uh, my hub is on Instagram. That's where most of my stuff is, as well as the links to everything else. Um, if you're interested in watching some Dungeons and Dragons tonight, uh, we have episode 14 of, I say tonight, most of you are probably in New now, Zealand. So this morning, like... whatever. Um, no, yeah. my, my, uh, my audience is all over the globe. So a lot of them are yeah. American based. Uh, so if you're watching it in an hour and seven minutes, is that right? Yeah, an hour and seven minutes, we will be going live on my Twitch, uh, with episode 14 of The Art of Adventure. Um, Excellent. Who's, who, are your, who are your guests today? We have, so Dungeon Master Discussions, my buddy Nate is going to be running it. Um, we have me, I will be playing an Asimar Gunslinger. Ooh. Um, who else is playing? Chisel and Foam, playing a Wood Ranger. Um, we have another Asimar, it's a Grave Cleric, is uh, Skullforge, Scarlet Skullforge. I have to like, I'm going through it. Uh, John. <laughs> Uh, we're the good guys. The good guys is here, um, reprising their roles as Timbers, the way of the drunken master monk tonight. Apparently. Yeah, the same, the same Tabaxi yeah, monk kill, did all of this shit. Again. <laughs> so if you want to see the monk that has been, yeah, if they want to see the monk that has been popping up in various different <laughs> anecdotes today, definitely go ahead and uh, uh, drop a follow now. He's been all in all of the stories. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he'll be playing Timbers, um, and then we have, I'm missing a person, oh, uh, Arcanacast, who's a 3D printer, is going to be playing a human barbarian. Cool. Who's, who's uh, DMing it, sorry? Uh, Dungeon Master Discussions. Name is Nate. There you go. So if you, want to see, if you want to see more of that, and you definitely should, the Out of Adventure is always a good fun time, uh, and the minis and terrain are always amazing, uh, you should go over to uh, Twitch 
twitch.tv forward slash dollar underscore uh, store underscore dm the uh, the Mouthful. link to it is right there in the uh, in the in the chat um and if you are uh, if you happen to be here from uh, ashland's community um and and i'm the one that you're new to then welcome along it's fantastic to see you in the chat i've seen a few people um in the chat uh, that i haven't seen before so welcome in hey sarah's here sarah more pixies and pins is in the chat hey sarah um uh if you if you ashland haven't seen uh, sarah pixies and pins uh also does uh D, D content creation uh, uh at a thing called sarah's table plays a lot of um sorry not D, &D content creation tabletop role playing content creation does all sorts of different um one shots and things uh definitely worth reaching out in case you guys wanted to meet as well um <clears throat> Uh, what was I saying? So you can see, you can find me all of the different places at Robert Hartley GM. Again, for consistency, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, all, all of those things. You can also see me DMing for the Viva La Dirt League guys over on uh, YouTube. We are, we've just, uh, well, we passed a quarter of a million subscribers um, a little while ago. So um, uh, we're, we're, we're pushing on towards 300,000 now. So you can go and enjoy that campaign. We've got lots of it to enjoy. We're up to episode 70 something, but uh, unlike a lot of other actual plays, they're only half hour chunks. So you can you can get through them relatively quickly. You don't have to worry about four hours every every week and, and falling behind on that. Uh, 80 was released this week, was it? There you go, we're up to episode 80. <clears throat> Um, excellent. Well, uh, well, thank you very much for joining me. It's been an absolute blast talking with you. Um, I hope we get to uh, collaborate on some stuff again in the future. Uh, but Absolutely, for now, I love that. But for now, we'll uh, we'll leave it there. Oh yeah, and don't forget to give us the clown blood photo as well. Oh, I'm gonna look for it. It's yeah. great. <laughs> Wonderful. It's buried. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, apparently, uh, Sarah's table is on at uh, twitch.tv forward slash GenCon TV, which helps me out because I was about to look for who to raid. So raid um, GenCon TV, GenCon TV. Thank you very much for joining us, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Bye. That's all for that episode of Short Rest. But if you want to be there for the next one live, don't forget to head over to twitch.tv forward slash Robert Hartley GM and click the little love heart to follow the channel. Alternatively, you could wait for it to hit my YouTube channel at Robert Hartley GM. Or if you really enjoy my work and want me to keep making it, head over to patreon.com and consider supporting me a few dollars a month. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening.